I love that video, and I love the reminders we have in that video. I'm just remembering I did not check my battery, and we're at one, so we're going to see if I can make it. How about that? If not, I've got extra batteries somewhere, or would you call it quits? No, I'll just speak fast. Before we get started, I do want to point out in that video, I love where it says, so that your joy may be full, so it may be fulfilled. It's all based on our love that we see in Christ Jesus as Lord. We're taking a break from our sermon series in John after 20-some weeks in John. We're taking a holiday break. I know how much you all love holiday breaks. In fact, I know some of you even already have your Christmas trees up. How about a raise of hands? Who has a Christmas tree up, Miss Bobby? I knew there'd be at least one. Who here, I got to ask, who here wants to put up a Christmas tree, but their husband, their spouse, somebody will not let them do it yet? You know, I got to admit, part of me really does want to put up my tree already. And it's kind of my wife that won't let me do it. She might be watching from home right now. We've had a sick baby. Um, I hope she is. But, or do I hope she is? Maybe I don't want her to hear this. You see, she said that I can't put up the tree yet. And my reason is mainly because I know we leave uh, after church next Sunday for Thanksgiving back home in Ohio. So I kind of thought it'd be nice to have it done before we left. But she says I need to get the new flooring down beforehand. That puts me on a time schedule. She wants that flooring done before Christmas, apparently. I was kind of wanting to put it off as long as possible. As we're talking about Christmas, and before we get going, I want to remind everybody that, yes, it is a very busy season, but it is an exciting season. And after church today at 1 o'clock, so you have time to go to Sunday school, you have time to go home, grab some lunch, or frantically go to Dollar General, we have Operation Christmas Child box packing And we'd love to see you come back at one and help pack some stuff. Bring some of your own stuff from home or from the store. We can just spend time packing together. Or help us pack some of the boxes with belongings that have already been donated and brought in. This was my attempt at making a Christmas tree of boxes. (laughs) What? You don't like it? Okay. I thought about building a Christmas tree of boxes, and I thought it sounded like too much work. So I figured this would get more attention. But yes, please show up at 1 o'clock, help us with boxes, and let's get these sent out. In addition to this, I want to remind you of some other things coming up before we get going. One being, we are signed up for the Christmas parade here in Bloomer again this year, and I thank Miss Bobby Jeffrey for heading that up. And she may or may not be wanting some helpers with that. So if you're like thinking, I helped last year, or I didn't get to help, I really want to do something, see her. Maybe she can find a place for you. Maybe she'll say, We're all set. I don't want to set her up for having to tell you that, but it might be. I know she's been asking a lot of teens to sing, and she's also sent out an email. For some needs. So please check into that. And thank you, Miss Bobby, for planning that. Secondly, Mr. Tim Jacobson and Dennis Webster and maybe some others have been out at the park creating our big Christmas caroling photo booth display out there like what we had last year, North Park. So make sure you're at there. I think it's Friday. Anybody know Friday, the opening of the park? The Friday after Thanksgiving, I'm sorry. The Friday after Thanksgiving is the opening of the park. Make sure you go out to North Park and see Santa come in on the fire truck, hear, the, hear a Christmas story or two, walk around, see all the many great displays. But then also stop at our display, grab a Christmas caroling book out of the little book library there, and just sing some Christmas carols. 
That way, if people around there are not hearing the Christmas story of Jesus this year, they hear it in you proclaiming it through song. Go with some friends, go with some family, sing some songs, and just know, even if you don't think you sound good, well, there's a lot of other people there, and they'll cover up the noise anyways. <laughs> I felt bad for Adele this morning because I noticed my kids just happened to never save me a seat next to them because they don't want me singing next to them. So I sat next to Adele. No, not at all. Thank you, Tim, Dennis, for doing that. Let's use it. Let's sing Christmas carols this year. Let's show up. Let's get started with our, with our sermon this week. We're in Ephesians chapter 4 today, loving one another. This is our second week in this new series because we must not just love ourselves. We're good at that. We must not just love God, which we are commanded to do, and we by all means should do, but we also need to love others too. And in fact, the way that we should be loving others, the way they should be treated, is the same way that we want to be treated, and the same way that God loves us. us. This is very much needed in the world today. Grab my projector remote, see if it's working today. For as we said last week, and I want to reference again, in such a time like this, a time when the world is like a hornet's nest of hostility and hate, let's be sure that we, the church, God's people, saints, are sure to love others as Christ loves us, dying to self for the sake of others. Let us love one another. This season, let's love others one another. Last week we focused on enemies and I was encouraged to hear some of you contact me or I heard rumors of how you use that sermon this week to really show love to an enemy or to somebody that maybe you didn't think was the kindest of person. If you haven't done it yet, I ask you why have you not? I pause because I do think we all have people that we need to show love to. And maybe that's a simple text message of encouragement. Maybe it's a Bible verse. Don't use the Bible verses about God's wrath. <laughs> Show them love. Show them you care. Today we focus on loving friends. And this may be stretched to loving not just friends, but all brothers and sisters in Christ. For as Ephesians 2, 18 to 19 reminds us, through Christ we are no longer strangers. Through Christ we are no longer aliens. But we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. What a blessed reminder we have here. And all our brothers and sisters in Christ should be treated as friends. So let's look to how do we treat friends as God-like, Christ-like love shows us. What does God's word show us? What does Christ's life show us? But before we get started, I have this idea, totally off-the-wall idea, totally off-the-wall illustration, which I want to share with you. And I promise it does have a point. It does have a purpose. But it's kind of a funny one to start. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever watched one of those food-eating competitions? Specifically, have you ever watched a show about the contestants themselves and all they go through to prepare for a food-eating competition. Raise your hand. I'm trying to make you be active. There's a few. I'm not the only crazy one. How many of you, it just disgusts to think of the idea of eating in a food competition? Well, today I want to focus on one contestant. And I want to focus on the idea we see behind this contestant's lifestyle. You see, there is a contestant, 15-time champ by the name of Joey Chestnut, 
who broke his own world record in 2020 eating 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes. 76 hot dogs, that is crazy. I think I feel sick after eating three. Okay, maybe four. But this man not only did he eat 76 hot dogs in one competition in 10 minutes, he ate over 16 pounds of pumpkin pie one time in 11 minutes. 16 pounds of pumpkin pie. I feel like I feel like that's one of those challenges like chugging a gallon of milk which should make you sick. And yet I've seen some of these food competitions where they do get sick and they just keep on going. And I don't know if they get disqualified if they, never mind, not going there. You see, I just can't imagine this because some of these guys that you watch, they look healthy. In fact, one time I was watching one of these shows about this lifestyle and this guy had a six pack. I mean, if I ate like that, I would not look like they do. I would not have this physique that I have. Let me, let me say, it would be worse, not better. Here's the thing. In the show I watched one time, this was years ago, but it's never lost my, it's never escaped my mind. I noticed that they train. They train themselves for these eating competitions and they train in several ways. Number one, I wrote down, they train their bodies physically to increase their muscle mass, which in turn, I don't know how much, I'm not a doctor, I'm not trained in this, but supposedly they train physically to increase their muscle mass, which then also increases their metabolism to help make sure they don't become what I would if I ate more than four hot dogs. Number two, and this is the one that really gets me, they train their stomachs. They train their stomachs by, this guy showed us eating five-gallon buckets full of iceberg lettuce. That's right. A five-gallon bucket full of iceberg lettuce, heads of lettuce. It showed him just taking one head after another and chomping on it, ripping it up in little pieces, shoving it down. And then as the contest gets closer, he would make it two buckets. And then he'd shove it in as fast as he can. Why? Well, supposedly because I guess lettuce is almost 100% digestible and it helps stretch their stomachs on the inside, not the outside. What is my point here? Let's get to it. <clears throat> Last week, I challenged us to remember Jesus' command to love one another, to forgive others, even our greatest enemies. We must show love to them. Last week, I started out by saying this. As we work towards preparing our bellies and stomachs for Thanksgiving, let's also prepare our hearts and minds and actions to love one another. You see, we must prepare our bellies, we must train our stomachs, we must train our lives just like that food-eating competition guy. Just like we train and wait for that Thanksgiving day, we must be preparing our lives in physical ways as well as spiritual ways for the word of God and his ways to love one another. And I want to stress this fact. It takes constant everyday training to be able to even attempt to fully love others in a God-like, Christ-like way. Training of which involves being in God's word and in constant prayer with our creator and our savior. As last week, we looked to God-like, Christ-like ways of loving one's enemies. Today's week, today, we look to loving friends. And I tell you, 
We better get the five-gallon buckets out. We better start training. But that training for us isn't with shoving iceberg lettuce into our mouths. It's with shoving constantly God's word into our brains. Hang out in God's word. Hang out with godly people and hang out with God in prayer. Do it together for this will help us in showing love to one another. We must love friends. Love brothers and sisters in Christ as Christ. But how do we love our friends? How do we love brothers and sisters in Christ if we don't look to Christ and if we don't look to God's word? I think I'd be ignorant if I looked around this congregation and thought that there wasn't at least one of you in here who maybe never opens up their word of God except for on Sunday mornings. And maybe that one of you only opens it up by looking at the screen. We need to be in God's word every day. And we need to dig deep. How much time do we spend training for other things of this world compared to the amount of time we spend training for living for God? Let's open to Ephesians 4. And I want you to follow along as I read as we see some examples of how we are now to live as saints, as those set apart by Christ and his love, as those devoted to Christ, followers of his How do we walk as saints? And as we see these concepts, these principles, I think we will also see a God-like, Christ-like way to love our friends. You can follow along as I read. Most of you have it now. I don't have it on the screen today. I'm sorry. I'll read through it completely, and then we'll come back to some applications. I, therefore... Starting at verse 1 of chapter 4 of Ephesians, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Actually, I do want to say one thing. I therefore is bringing attention to everything that's happened in chapters 1 through 3. So in chapters 1 through 3, we've largely been learning about the doctrine of what it means that Christ has come. What it means that this gospel has been made available, this good news of Jesus has been made available to the Gentiles. Not just to the Jews, but for everyday people like you and me. And now we get into chapter 4 and we get to see the practical applications of how then shall we live. Therefore, knowing all this, a prisoner of the Lord tells us this message. Let's read on. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says... When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. He gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 11, if you're catching up now. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. 
to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped, which each part is working properly. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We're going to continue on, but let me take one moment there because I'm not talking about this in the sermon today, but we need to acknowledge this part. When each part is working properly... It makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. Each part is us. Each part is the church. Each part is the branches coming together to the vine, to Jesus Christ, and living according to his ways, acknowledging him as the sovereign Lord and his ways being the righteous way to live. When we connect to him and then we connect together in unity, when each part works properly doing how he commands us to live, It makes the body grow. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You catch that? Love. Love is what comes. Love is what helps growth come. Let's read on about the new life in verse 17. Now this I say, and I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of the heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. No exclamation mark. That is not the way you learn Christ. Don't learn from the world. Learn Christ's ways. Don't imitate the world, imitate Christ. Verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Take another quick break. Again, it's not part of my sermon, so it's okay, right? You know, I notice how much it says, and give no opportunity to the devil. And then we have kind of these brackets on either side. Well, on one side, it talks about be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. On the other one, it talks about let not the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. I think of how much we like to focus on those two brackets, those two bookends. We like to focus on... Hey, be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down. And normally we're talking about that one when it involves somebody else, aren't we? When it's our own angry, we like to sometimes kind of 
soak it in and, and let, it, let it kind of boil up a little bit. Sometimes too long until it just explodes. And the other thing, we love talking about the thief and may that thief not steal. May he get a real job and may he earn what he, what he deserves. But then we have this thing in the middle. Give no opportunity for the devil. How often do we create opportunities for the devil to creep in and do his work instead of God's work? How many things in our life might be great things if put in proper perspective, but before long, they begin to be opportunities for the devil because you put them above God. Let's read on. Verse 29, as we wrap up this chapter. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Thanks for following along, reading that with me. <coughs> Let's get to some applications here. How does one show God-like, Christ-like love to one's friends, to brothers and sisters in Christ, as the saints that we are? Well, let's start with this big idea. We need to, every day of our lives, every moment of our lives, we must remember our calling. Walk worthy of God's love. Remember your calling. Remember our goal. Remember what we have so often we allow everything that's happening in the world to, to try and tell us this is what you're supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to live. This is how you find fulfillment. This is how you find happiness. This is how you find joy. And yet what we find out through all of it is none of it, none of it gives us what we truly need and are to do. We need to remember our calling and walk worthy of God's love, remembering our goal our goal is to spread the gospel. Our goal is to remember the gospel within us and then also reciprocate it to others also. And this involves our friends too, not just our enemies as we spoke of last week. Sometimes our friends receive the least love. And that might sound kind of hard to say, but it's true. Sometimes our friends get forgotten of how much they need to also see the love. We think, well, we've already brought them along. We've already shown it to them once. Well, let's keep showing it. Let's keep showing it. We are new in Christ, and we are also to live as Christ. We see lots of guidelines here. Let's look to a few of them. Now, I don't have time for all of them. We're going to just kind of pick three of them. And then we're going to, at the end, just briefly state several of them. And then I encourage you, to focus on them this week. I think many of these, these guidelines, these principles we see for how we are to live here in Ephesians 4 is pretty self-explanatory. But is that, that does not mean we skip over it. Because self-explanatory or not, they are great reminders of which I guarantee you, if we spend time meditating upon them this week, we can think about each one of them and think about how we need to apply them to circumstances within our life now. So looking at chapter 4, we first see this. 
We must walk worthy and show Christ-like love in your humility and gentleness shown towards friends and brothers and sisters of the faith. Humility and greatness. That's a hard one for us to be humbled. Even when we think we're being humbled, we're often not being humbled. Even when we think about how we're thanking God for what he's blessed us, and maybe we're telling somebody around a dinner table what we're thankful for, so often it's not out of humility, it's out of pride. As maybe some part of us is just happy to tell somebody everybody, everything that we have. You see, we live in America, one of the most comfortable countries in the world. It's a wealthy one with many TVs, telephones, and drones. And I was thinking as I wrote this out, okay, I'm not as old as some of you, but I am older than some of you. And I was thinking about TVs. I remember when I was a kid, like a teenager, the biggest thing I wanted for my, t- my bedroom was a 13-inch television with a built-in VCR tape reader. Now you walk through Walmart, and what do you think the common TV size? I mean, I think a few years ago, we could say it was a 42-inch. And that was huge by some of our standards. I remember our first 32-inch TV, and that was huge. And now the common bedroom-sized television is 42-inch. The common living room-sized television is 55-inch. And they don't have built-in VCRs. They don't have built-in DVD players. Because they have built-in streaming devices to where you can just pick from thousands of channels and pick anything you want at the press of a button. And I'm not saying that this doesn't happen around the world in other countries, because I know it does too. But I do know that on some of our worst weeks, we still have more than some of the most populated areas of the world. On our worst weeks, we know where our dinner is generally coming from. On our worst weeks... We sometimes still eat out several times a week. We don't generally worry about our power being cut off or where the heat's coming from. We have a lot in this world. And what I want to challenge you to think about as we move toward Thanksgiving this year is this. This season, instead of sharing what we are thankful for, share how you use what God and the world has blessed you with for his glory, his kingdom, and his people. I think that puts a different spin around the Thanksgiving table as you, instead of going around sharing what you have and what you're thankful for, and maybe people around the table saying, oh, I wish I had that. Oh, boy, they're rich. I wish I... Let's not just share what we're thankful for. Let's share how we're going to use it for God's glory, his kingdom, and his people. That's what a great friend does. A great friend uses all he has to help others and to glorify God. We must be gentle. We must not be brash. We must be humble and helpful and not just a burden. Jesus was gentle. Jesus was humble. Jesus was helpful. Jesus had all the power of heaven at his disposal. And at times he displayed quite an amount of power available to him when he performed his various miracles such as healings, Casting out of demons, turning water into wine, walking on water, instantaneously calming storms, or raising the dead. Jesus was also physically strong, as we know he was a carpenter, and that requires some strength. But in all this power, Jesus also humbled himself to the cross for us. 
showing us a sacrificial and humble, gentle love. You see, the master came not to be served, but to serve. I wonder what all of our lives would look like if we did the same. For Paul to say for us all to be humbled and gentle is something we must take seriously. Because it would not be easy for him to proclaim to people that day. He must have good reason. In fact, God was inspiring him to write this. Because this is God-like love, Christ-like love, not Roman-like love, not the love of the day. Humility was thought of as pitiful by the Romans and the Greeks. They looked down on anyone that did not display pride and self-satisfaction. They considered humility an unnatural characteristic. And yet Christ himself showed humility. Christ himself was looked down upon, though, by the people of the day, especially the leaders, as his humility and greatness set him apart. But it is also his humility and gentleness that people in us have been saved by. So I pray, and as we get ready to move forward, I pray that people will see God like Christ, like humility and gentleness in our lives, that they might also see the love of Christ. Christ's power in us and the salvation we have. Humility is essential for the Christian, for we cannot even become, become saved and, and get the salvation we need from Christ without first being humbled and recognizing that we cannot be our own savior. We cannot earn our own salvation. We must become humbled enough to admit we are a sinner in need of a savior. And we need to make sure that other people see that in us too. Be humbled. Show your friends that you're not the savior of your own life. Christ is. Number two, in the next principle we see here is this, be patient and bear with one another in love. This is definitely a God-like, Christ-like love principle or characteristic. God is lovingly patient with us. If not, we would have lost all hope and joy a long time ago, but Christ died for us yet while we were still sinners. And how much more does he still desire to be patient and love us through life struggles, through sin, to help us and provide for us even now that we are his. We must also show the same type of patience and love for one another, to be patient and bear with one another in love to people around us today. God knew that even followers of Christ would and do have struggles with one another. And that's why he gave us this instruction, don't give up on one another. Don't give up on one another. Be patient and bear with one another in love. Patience with others almost always involves love. When the world around us looks at our relationship with one another, they should see a different image of friendship, a Christ-like sacrificial one. For those who don't, do not know Christ's love, friendships are often taken for granted and thrown away like a child who sees a new shiny toy and drops the old one. As I wrote that, I thought about my daughter, Felicity, and yesterday, she, like most kids under the age of two, they love their pacifiers, or as Felicity calls it, pappy, pappy. And she loves pappy, and she hasn't been feeling good this weekend, <clears throat> so she's had it a little bit more than usual. But even that pappy that she does not like to leave, in fact, at bed, she often finds three of them, one for a mouse and one for each hand. Yet she was walking around the living room yesterday, and she saw this toy in the corner, she threw it behind, popped out her mouth, threw it behind, and went to that toy. 
Now, the funny thing is, two minutes later, she's crying, where's my pappy, where's my pappy? But here's the point. I think friendships today, they're often thrown away when this new friend comes along or this new shiny new object or when that friendship doesn't seem to be fulfilling all the things that are in your mind that they must be fulfilling. And instead of reconciling through struggles and forgiving one another and having patience and bearing with one another in love, they just get thrown out. But that's not the example we have from Christ. Christ-like, God-like love for our friends is one which bears with one another in love and works through our problems. Number three, but also something that wraps all these things up. And it's a box that has your name on it. Is this. Maintain unity. Show God-like, Christ-like love by maintaining unity with friends and brothers or sisters in Christ. So often we wonder, how do we unify together in a world that's struggling around us in a world full of so many political debates and social debates and debates of how one runs their family how i run their family my family not their family you can't run their family how do we do this well we maintain unity by bringing all these things together this is what sets us apart as christ followers when others run we gather When others fear, we pray. When others live in despair, we live with hope and rejoice. All this together is one body, one voice, and one holy nation. When others struggle and seek belonging or fulfillment, we remember Ephesians 2, 18 to 19 and proclaim. And I want you to hear this again. We are... We are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Remember that next time you're struggling through life, wondering where you belong. You're already where you belong. You are a fellow citizen with the saints and the members of the household of God. But every day we must work at that unity. Show patience with one another, bearing with one another in love. Show humility in gentleness. And then there's a few more, and I'm going to work through these ones fast, as I just want to list them for the most part. As we continue on in Ephesians chapter 4, and we only got a few verses in, we see this. We must build up the body of Christ, verse 12. We must not be tossed tossed to and fro like children, verse 14. If you have your Bibles open, let me read that to you once more. Verse 14 says this, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Do not be like children. Mature in your faith and stay true to his word and ways. Next, speak the truth in love. Verse 15 And notice the rather, it says, rather speak the truth in love. This proceeds and follows after the instructions in verse 14. Rather than giving into all those things spoken of in verse 14, we are to speak the truth and do it in love. This is one method of combating the evil, combating the deceitfulness, combating the evil ways of the world. His great love shone through your love. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let his love 
shine. Start with speaking truth, the greatest truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through him. If people don't understand that, they're not going to understand everything else. They're not going to understand and fully accept the ways of God's word if they don't first humble themselves to see Christ as the truth and the way to eternal life and hope and joy. Peace is only found through him. Self-control is only found through him. No one finds what they truly need except through him. That is the truth we must first speak. Speak this loving truth that might be found by the world in need around you. Speak this loving truth to your friends, your brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling all around us in the dark world. They need to be reminded of the unity we have, the strengths we have, the hope we have, the joy we have, the peace we have, the self-control we have. They need to be reminded of the great strengths we have in the Holy Spirit living within us to help us through these times. And next, verse 26 says, be angry and do not sin. And finally, the last quick principle I want to remind you of, but not speak too much of, is this. Verse 29 to 32, I will simply read it to you. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. As I said, there's a lot of reminders here. We must not skip over them, but we also don't need to study them in depth. But what we do need to do is apply them to our lives. As we close, I want to say this. I want to take a moment to remind you that although these principles were applied towards our friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, ultimately all of these are quite simply characteristics of the believer. Characteristics which set us apart from the world as having a new life in him. And so I end with this, and this will also lead us into next week's principle. Show God-like, Christ-like love to strangers, the world, and to all people. 1 Peter 2.9 proclaims this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Did you catch that? We are a chosen race. You, me, you, you, all of us, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God. And get this, we may proclaim of his excellencies. For we no longer live in darkness, but we live with his marvelous light. We have a marvelous light in our life, and that's his light. Proclaim his excellencies wherever he goes, wherever you go. For wherever you go, he goes. And let the light shine forth in the darkness. 
Let's close in prayer and song now. And the song we're going to sing, how appropriately put, is What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the body. We thank you for friends and brothers and sisters in Christ and those we have relationships with. But we pray that these relationships always, always help point us to you. And sometimes that's hard as it's conviction. Other times it's encouragement. Other times it's strengthening us by your word. Other times it's strengthening us with prayer. But may we do all these things together as we show humility and gentleness and patience and love bearing with one another. May we constantly look to you and your ways in all we do. And may you be glorified. Thank you, Jesus, for being our friend and going to the cross on our behalf. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Thank you. Please stand. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen? Amen. What a friend we also have in one another, right beside us, right around us. Maybe look around you. Maybe there's a friend that normally sits by you and is missing. Give them a call. Let them know they're missed. I remind you, Sunday school, after Sunday school, meet back at 1 o'clock to help make some Operation Christmas Child boxes, whether you use what's here or whether you go home, buy some stuff or find some stuff and bring it in. Let's join together. Or... But I hope it doesn't also replace. There's plenty of boxes put together. Thank you to those who helped put them together this week. Grab a box or two or five and take them home. And bring them back next Sunday for us to deliver after church. Thank you. God bless.